Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. Corey Perry. Well, able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Forever Mighty Post Game Show. Uh, shout out to Eddie for trying to rush Paul Korea on the intro like he hasn't seen it 9,000 times. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if you rush him, then he does it quick. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can never get the timing down still. Paul yeah. Paul just sits on my screen hurry for up, a little Paul, bit too hurry long. Up. <laughs> hurry up, We all know what happens, just bury it, dude. <laughs> we walk into tonight's show though, guys. Uh, Ducks lose 3-2 to two to the Sharks. Not a bad game. Probably one they deserve to win. Martin Jones didn't play like Martin Jones. Gibby was a little unlucky, along with uh, a few Ducks forwards who don't know how to bury the puck. But, um, man, the kids look good. That was my takeaway. The kids look pretty damn good. Uh, not, not only the kids, I thought Raquel had a hell of a game. I um, mean, he was, he was beating people one-on-one. and I don't even think he was ever trying that prior to, like, the last couple of games. So even he's, you know... So close. He's hitting post. He's almost there, but it's just not quite uh, going our way. It's kind of been the trend of the last couple of games. It did well because Lindstrom had another good game. He probably should have scored uh, in that last game against Vegas. I know we weren't live for that game, so we can we can kind of reference that a little bit. But he had uh, a shot that was stopped by Mark Andre Fleur, which is probably save of the season. So that would have been three goals in three games for him. And he had a couple chances in this one too, where he could have potted another one. He's looked great and come to obviously gets another goal for his seventh. And I thought Terry looked pretty good. Obviously Sam Steele back in the lineup and he gets a goal. 
and then Ricard Raquel, I guess, not part of the kids, but had a good night too. So, I mean, the guys who are supposed to do be doing well are, are starting to kind of play better, and the kids are actually putting the puck in the back of the net, which I think is a huge thing. It's Ricard Raquel's evil twins playing better than he is. That's the problem. Everyone gives <laughs> you. Even the refs, the refs. Is he the evil one? Figure it out. <laughs> he looks eviler. He looks like he Ricard's looks nicer. Yeah. <laughs> he looks more shifty, like yeah, like he's working out. Thing. I think he has a darker plans. visor. Maybe Raquel needs to switch to that visor. He needs to switch sides here because he is snake bit as as all can get right now. Uh, I mean, we've criticized his play in the past, but like the, just the chances he's getting, I think his shooting percentage probably now is at close to being under 2%. Like it was at 2.8, and I was like, oh, man, that's bad. And then he hasn't scored a goal since, and he's put up a ton of shots, and, and especially in this one. And, won't count as a shot, but uh, the shot he rung off the crossbar was as close as he's going to get right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know who else looked bad tonight was uh, Kevin Shattenkirk. Go, go figure, huh? Two two guys we did not expect this season to come rolling in looking like they did. But um, it was good to see Steele get on the board, even though he didn't mean to score that one. Uh, <laughs> trying to pass the puck. Some people were saying he meant it. So we'll trying to pass the puck from a prime scoring area is just kind of typical. But it goes in yeah. for him, so that all works out for Sam Steele. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I I had I had like ups and downs watching parts of this game, where you see really good plays, and then you see a lot of turnovers by Anaheim that ends up burning them in this game too. Uh, how did you feel, just you guys overall, with uh, with the way the Ducks looked in front of John Gibson? I felt like they just, I don't know, a lot of sharks all over the place. I kind of felt like that um, it was like just. For me, a part of the concern of the game to me was that. Well, I, I, I don't know. At the first period, I felt they probably had about 15 minutes where they were more driving the play, or mm-hmm. at least were in somewhat in control. And there was about a five-minute you know lull in the middle there. Um, it all it all kind of happened on that one weird play where it got sent in, hit the stanch, and came right back to the point. And the guy tried to one-time that, and somehow Gibby just happens to be back, just happens to get it shot kind of at him. But ever since then, they took a penalty after that. That mm. Sharks power play looked incredible. Our penalty kill did not. They scored a goal, and it just it took us out of our rhythm, it seemed like, for about five minutes where we weren't pushing it. But I mean, as far as the first period goes, I thought, I thought Gibby played well. Martin Jones just kind of outplayed him, you know, short of that one goal but I, I wasn't disappointed I, I thought the the Ducks played a really solid first period it wasn't a carbon copy of that last game against Vegas where it was probably one of their best games of the season in terms of how they played in front of John Gibson and how they dominated the play and you felt like going into this game and you know, they did that against Mark andre Fleury and the way he's playing and the Vegas Golden Knights one of the best teams in the division and you go in against Martin Jones who has a sub 900 save percentage and a Sharks team who struggled to really get things going. And, you know, I, I guess that is the trend for the Ducks this year is they have a couple games where you're like, wow, they're, they're really turning things around and they're, they're getting back to a, you know, a point where they're fun to watch and they're dominating play. And they follow up that game with uh, it's not, it wasn't an awful performance tonight by any means, but it is a bit disappointing when you look at how they played last game. Oh, it just kind of gives that glare again, where we just say they don't have the finishers. And you know, as, as much as I'd hate to agree with the Ducks broadcast all the time, but I mean, they're just not finishing their plays. They're getting a lot of good chances. They're creating a lot of great plays. They just don't have the guys right now that are bearing the puck. And I guess you kind of assume that Ricard Raquel's shooting percentage is going to go up. I mean, I think this is this an, an anomaly for him to be below two percent. It's kind of insane. But 
He's got to find a way. Otherwise, he might be that guy that gets moved out at some point this season. I wouldn't be surprised. We've been talking about it all season. Yeah. I mean, when you look at guys that have been moved out too, obviously Sam Steele and, and Denton Heinen were scratched last game, and they both draw back in on the second line. I guess you could call it the second line. With Jakob Silverberg, Max Jones draws out of the lineup. David Backus draws out of the lineup, and that means Derek Grant moves oh, down yeah. from the second line to his more familiar position on the fourth line, which I think uh, a lot of people welcomed. It's nice to see Sam Steele back in the lineup. And you know what? To, to give credit, I guess, to Dallas Aikens this year, or at least to the players who have responded pretty well to being scratched this year. You look at Troy Terry, you look at Isaac Linderstrom getting bounced out of the lineup and brought back in, and now Sam Steele. Every time a guy has been scratched or put out of the lineup, the game that they come back in, they've looked great and obviously Sam Steele gets on the board it is a lucky deflection but I thought he looked better tonight he was using his speed which you saw in the first goal offensively I think he was a bit more engaged and you know whether that's credit to Dallas Aikens or credit to the players for responding to that criticism or or that benching you know it's it's good signs I think for the Ducks to see them kind of kick it to another gear and really want to fight for that roster spot and I think fight for goals too because I mean obviously we're trying to get more goals in here and he's basically saying not only if you don't have a good game, but if you're not producing um, anything on there, we're going to create that competition where someone else is going to try and come in and and put the puck in the net. Whoever gets that puck in the net, they are in my good graces and they'll stay longer from it. So I think that entices them now that they see anyone can really be taken out of the lineup. Even Henrique uh, can be taken out of the lineup. And so if that's the case, everyone kind of maybe pushes for that offense more and um you know I, I like you said it's credit to dallas akins because that could have gone bad benching henrique out of like the first out of all of them that could have really just shut down everybody but they seem to be responding a little bit better i mean every goal in this game too was was kind of awkward like you look at I me mean, leonard scored the two <laughs> for the ducks the one okay. i mean gibby was just completely screened on the power play yeah, the that was probably count. the only solid one and then other than that it just kind of felt like he had a bad turnover by Getzloff. I mean, just squeaks through John Gibson there. Just, I, I just was like, what the hell's going on tonight? It was just a weird night. Martin Jones had no business being in this game. That bugged me that he played well tonight because <laughs> I love dogging so on well. that guy. Yeah. Everyone for him, man. I mean, we could have been at a much different start in that game because we, we were dominating early in that first 10 minutes and we had those chances. If one or two of those goes in and we're up three nothing, I mean, it's a completely different one, especially since how it ended. We were close enough. It just, yeah, he, he was, he outplayed Gibson tonight. Um, and he was a big, big story in it, really. And and you look at those first four goals, and we've talked about them all kind of briefly, but obviously the same steel goal, first of the game. It's just a pass back to the slot, hoping somebody's there, and it hits off Mario Ferraro and goes into the net. And then for Leonard's goal, he kind of just stops, throws one on net. It squeaks through John Gibson. There's a lot of guys in front of the net, and, and then that one gets through. And then Kevin LeBanc's goal might have been the weirdest of the bunch where Evander Kane shot, pops up to into the air. LeBanc gloves it down. His first shot saved, and he banks it in off the back of John Gibson. And then to, yeah. to cap everything off, it's a an awful Ryan Getzlaff turnover that leads to the goal for Logan Couture. Like, that is you know, four goals to start the game where you, you really can't fault the netminders. And, it, you know, it's bad turnovers or bad bounces or whatever for, you know, for each of them to hit the back of the net. Well, I don't know if that... Uh... 
third goal actually hits the back of the net. I think John Ollers made that joke. Did I say hit the back of the net? I might have spoke too soon. <laughs> he also uh, said coast to coast like butter toast. Butter toast. And I, I yeah, once he said that, like, oh, cringe. Made that up in the Discord. I knew it, yeah, I knew it, it had Jimmy. been said at that point. <laughs> oh, it's just too much. That's too much, man. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's fluky. And if you want to kind of look at it from John Gibson's perspective, he made a good save on that um, LeBanc uh, initial try. And then, you know, it's just, you know, I wish he'd maybe put his arm a little bit more around the post in front of it. He kind of waited to see where he was going to shoot it. And he didn't move his arm quick enough. And that one bounces in. But that's just kind of an oddball one. And then, yeah, the other one is just a horrible turnover and a quick shot. Just barely squeaks by. Can we can we talk briefly about the last thirty seconds of the game, where Dallas Aikens I think confused the shit out of every Ducks fan? Uh, why would you take a timeout and then bench your best players? <laughs> I didn't see who he put out there. Who did he bench? It was uh, he like didn't put his top guys on the ice. I think it was maybe it wasn't the variant, but I think Derek Grant was out there for the end of the game, like the last okay, twenty two seconds. Like I would like to say I'm surprised, but the amount of times that that fourth line gets put out there, uh, in key situations, still amazes me. Like, listen, if I had I a DVR to rewind it, I could, I would, but I don't. So yeah. I don't have to go back and watch it again. So I don't some of the time, but I remember going, why, why, why am I seeing Delorier out there? <laughs> yeah, is, is that like, the problem with having this? like a a player's coach at that when you get to those moments? Eddie for the, the last part of this game. Oh, uh, Eddie disappeared. I can still hear him. Oh, no, he cut out a bunch for me. Okay, making sure we're all still here. Good. Okay. <laughs> no, but I, what I was saying was, like, is that the problem with having a player's coach at that point? Because, you know, it's no think... secret that Dallas Akins will reward Lions for their effort. And he's like, okay, I like how you guys are playing. You guys get out there in the final minute. <laughs> I didn't think they played all that great, to be honest, on that fourth line. I mean... Uh, they they maybe kind of did what I expected them to do, but you know they weren't very noticeable. They weren't really putting pressure on the the net and getting chances. So um, I don't know if they if he's like, all right, listen, I just I want a gritty, grimy goal, get it to the front of the net, and just start going to town out there. So that would be my only idea as to why he thought that might work out. But if I was going to reward anyone, I I would have rewarded. Um, Raquel and everything that he was doing because I just felt like he was so damn close. So there's only one line I would I would want to be have out there in the final minute, and that's Lindstrom yeah. come to on Raquel right now. Yeah, like that is easily a, the Ducks' best line when you look at the last couple games and the fact that they've scored most of the goals and they've been kind of key parts of, of scoring chances for the Ducks over the last little bit. Like Lindstrom had two key chances in this game, he probably could have cashed in on both if not for some good saves from Martin Jones. And obviously, like we already mentioned, Raquel hit the post and Comtois ends up getting the Ducks' second goal off of the game, which goes in off Mario Ferraro again. I thought it was Johnny Hawkins, <laughs> but first. Yeah. But that's the line you want out there right now. I think like at, at any point in time, any key situation in the game, if I had to pick one Ducks trio right now to be out there, it's those guys. Well, I mean, of course, you want to have the guys that, that are hot right now. So you would think those would be the guys that are out there every time. But like you were saying, I think Aikens just kind of caters to the players that he likes. He's he's that player's coach. I, I don't know. I haven't been impressed by him this year at all. I, I just, I mean, at one point, I think we saw Camp Fowler and uh, and Hampus Lindholm on the ice together. I don't know if that was like a weird 
mix-up he decided to try. But I'm like, that's never, that's never worked. <laughs> well, I mean, at this point, well, the other thing that they were starting to do this game, you know, and a lot more towards the end of the game, but I, I noticed it even in the second period is that they are letting their defensemen come all the way in. Like, I, there's a few times Hockenpah was down by the goal crease, you know, around the goal line, you know, keeping keeping the play in and actually providing offense. Shattenkirk kind of goes around and does it. So I think he was, at this point, he was trying to get maybe his two best skaters out there, being Lindholm and Fowler, and seeing if there was some way to kind of keep it in there. And if someone makes a mistake, the other person could probably pick it up because he's really going to try and throw everything he's got at it. I don't think it was anything permanent, but let's be honest, Shattenkirk really hasn't been all that impressive this season. So I wouldn't even consider him their top, you know, I'd consider him top three, I guess, maybe. I think Hackenpaw's probably been better than he has. Who comes out of the lineup when Manson comes back? I I, I, I would say, like, Hackenpaw's the easy answer, but the way Shattenkirk's played, like, you, you've had six, six, success scratching guys, right? Why not first game back for Manson, give Shattenkirk a, a seat on the bench and see how yeah. things go? There was a there was a game where I, where I was on, well, obviously on Twitter watching the game, and Steven was was uh tweeting also and we're both talking shit on on shattenkirk and he literally turns the puck over twice in one shift in the middle of us talking about it like dude he's just what is going on how is this the thing that we get we try to sign this guy for two years and this is who shows up very strange year yeah, his execution was not very good when i say someone's execution is not good it means you know they can be good they're just not being good. <laughs> and so for whatever reason, they aren't doing what we know they can do. So it's not that he doesn't have the skill to do it. It's just it's not executing for whatever reason. I mean, so what did you Herbie bitch about Cam out. Fowler this year? Never. I haven't said yeah. a damn thing. That's you just bad try and you just, just try to say that him and Lindholm would be bad on the line. <laughs> well, we know that wouldn't. No. It never works. So we, we bitched about Cam Fowler when he was playing with Josh Manson because the pair of them didn't look good together and then Yanni Hockenpah came in and Cam Fowler I don't want to say he disappeared but the bad things we were noticing about that pairing disappeared so then we didn't really harp on uh, on Cam Fowler too much and he's not really doing anything negatively out there as much as Shattenkirk is where it's noticeable by everybody right taking bad penalties bad turnovers not really generating anything offensively not helping out the power play the things he was brought in here to yeah. do and I guess really barring the first two or three games of the season it has not been a good run for Kevin Shattenkirk like it, it really was the first two or three games of the season we were like oh yeah Shattenkirk and Lindholm looks good like that's a good pairing okay the Ducks have something to work with here and then since then Lindholm's looked great and Shattenkirk has been kind of the anchor of that pairing yeah we got the New York Ranger version of Shattenkirk <laughs> <laughs> And he's not going anywhere. That guy's never. I don't think he's ever going to get benched. I don't think he's. He's definitely not going to get traded. It's not happening. I would. I would be year. surprised. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they they healthy scratch him. I mean, just just based on the fact that he's he's the one taking penalties. He's the ones doing the turnover. I mean, obviously that's if Manson is back there. Um, but I was impressed the way Ben Hutton played today. You know. Um, it's not a high bar I have for him. Just, you know, don't make too many mistakes. But he actually kind of made a couple of different different plays that I, I thought were, you know, smart and heads up and creative. Um, so, I mean, I think there's a chance and not, you know, like, oh, he's so bad. We're going to just bench him because anybody's better. I think it's, hey, let's sit him down, let him reset, and see what happens after that. And then he draws back in. 
I, I wouldn't I would say that wouldn't be too bad of an idea once Manson gets back in the fold. When we look at guys who could draw in, I, I don't want to say it's any bit close to happening, but the way Jamie Drysdale has been playing in San Diego, he's got two goals, three assists, five points in five games, scored the OT winner for the goals last night. It's hard not to think, like, if we should give this guy a shot, see what he could do. Like, obviously, the, the talk has been Trevor Zegras for most of the season for good reason. He's still, despite slowing down, he's still leading the AHL in scoring or tied for the AHL lead in scoring heading into the games tonight. But, like, Jamie Drysdale has impressed me a lot. Like, we knew he was a good player, but I definitely felt like he needed another year of junior. And he stepped into the pros and, and looked good in every single game even if the points aren't there like defensively he's looked good his skating has been excellent his transitions out of the defensive zone have been great like this is a guy that as much as we see say with Trevor Zegras if he continues to impress you got to give him a shot you almost start to feel the same way about Jamie Drysdale especially if Shattenkirk continues to struggle interesting yeah I think it's higher up on the depth chart than like I said your, your Ben Hutton's or um, your Larson um, so the, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Um, and that also kind of came from some of the things that uh, the coach, um, Kevin Deneen, said, uh, just that he's, he's really smart on the defensive side, and usually that's the part that takes a while for guys to learn. He's already kind of got that, and that's why he said, you know, his, his career will be, he will have a good career in the NHL. He's well on his way. He's already got those little things kind of dialed in already. I said, I said interesting because it's um, – I don't know if anyone saw the love fest for Drysdale on our Twitter, but um, one of us posted a 15-page <laughs> tweet with gifts of how amazing oh. Jamie Drysdale is on Twitter oh, the other day. Oh, well, that's Ed then, yeah. <laughs> Ed hey, man, started the thread. He, 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 he was the only one contributing to He's it. He's been excellent. <laughs> <laughs> You had a lot of good points, and you included video evidence for each situation. So kudos to you, man. I don't know. I was like, that's not Steven. That's definitely Ed. (laughs) To be fair, and I I think Jamie Drysdale, I knew knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Every time I – all right, I'll avoid it next time. Um, When Jamie Drysdale got drafted – it wasn't that there was a lot of disappointment going around, but there's a lot of people who wanted, and, and myself included, you know, a goal scorer like Alexander Holtz or, or Marco Rossi or somebody, you know, one of the top fours in that draft. And, you know, it's definitely too early to tell if it was the best decision for the Ducks or not. But when you look at what Drysdale's been able to do in, in a five-game stint in the AHL here in a year where people thought he wasn't even really ready to step into the pro game, it, it bodes well for the Ducks' future. Like, this is the type of defenseman they need who he's not flashy by any means, but still contributed five points in five games. He scored two crucial goals, and he just calmly goes about his business. And defensively, there's no mistakes. I haven't really seen him make a significant error down in San Diego once, and he's by far, I think, the best defenseman on that team, and that's a team that has Josh Maher on it, has Hunter Drew on it, has Simon Benoit, guys who have had more AHL experience and some with you know, a decent amount of time in the NHL over Jamie Drysdale. Like, you know, if you're the Ducks right now, you have a small window with the OHL starting back up in about a month here that you could throw him in for five or six games to see how he does, avoid burning the year on his entry-level contract, and at least just rewarding him with a few games in the NHL just to see how he does. 
Why does he have to go back to the O? The uh, CHL-NHL agreement. That's that, right. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Now, I don't... I'm don't take all of our players because we need people to come watch them here in our arenas. <laughs> <laughs> Canadian babies. It's unbelievable, that, dude. That means Perot uh, also leaves San Diego as well. He hasn't Jesus. had, obviously, as good a start. But I, I'm assuming... Can you imagine that if, like, you, you sign a four-year contract to go to Boston College... And then you decide to leave, and then they're like, oh no, you can't. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep playing. You said you were gonna finish your school years here. Yeah. Shut up. That's yeah. so stupid. It's it, they should treat it the same. That's got a lot of feelings on this. I just as, don't understand um, it. Yeah, they should treat it the same as the NCAA, where you can't sign a pro contract, and and if you do, you can't play in the league. So, you know, for Travis Egress when he signed his pro contract, now he goes from an amateur to a pro, so he can't go back to college. He has to play NHL or AHL. I get why the CHL has the agreement in place, but then you have these situations here where all of a sudden Jimmy Drysdale has surprised you. And in a normal year, and when the OHL starts back up, he can't play in the AHL, but that's probably the best spot for him right now. I don't think anybody would say that he really needs to go back to junior. If he goes back down there, he's going to dominate, sure, but he's made this seamless transition to the pro game where his development is best suited to spend the rest of the year, or at least most of the year in the AHL. And he can't do that because of this agreement where if you had it like the NCAA, where if he stays in junior, he can't sign an NHL deal. And once he does, then he can play in the AHL. I I think that would make more sense, but you know, they're never going to do it because then they have to lose their best players and they don't have as attractive of an elite uh, of a league for fans to go and watch hockey literally funds the canadian government and that's exactly why this is happening (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the whole reason (laughs) it is a cartel that's what they're doing no one can take our players no one's allowed to listen we supply the product we tell you when to take it yeah (laughs) but but if shanker continues to struggle like would you guys rather see him get at least a couple games yeah 100 percent. yeah I mean, yeah. I mean, before before he has to go, it, it's, why not give him that shot? I mean, he's he's you kind of just look at what they do for every level, and so if he's dominating the OHL, and then you put him in the AHL, and he dominates there. I mean, other than that, you just hold it on to him, and it's not making him a better player to play that well against. So the only the only reason he might do it is just to help build that confidence. But I don't think there's any sort of confidence. There's nothing he can work on there to improve his skill set. It's it's just going to be experience against top level players. When is he allowed to leave the CHL? Uh, I'd have to double check, but I think he has to be there. Would have had to be there this year, and I think he also has to be there uh, next year as well. It's based so on the age. Way it, is that how it works? Yeah. So it's based on two things. So you can either age out at twenty. So if you if you're 20 and like going into that OHL season or CHL season, if you're 20, you don't have to go back. If you did, you'd count as one of your team's three overagers, or you have to play four seasons in the respective league. So for Jamie Drysdale, it's the OHL. So he spent two seasons there. This would have been his third this year. So next year is his fourth, and he's only 18 right now. So he won't hit the age limit before he hits the That's four the season mark. So he has to be back there next year unless he's playing in Anaheim. He can't play in the AHL next year unless they amend the agreement again because of COVID or, or whatever. 
Now, I don't know why we're getting on this, um, but if because it's if, more exciting to talk about than yeah. how our Ducks are playing. So if he if he <laughs> signs with the Ducks, he's got to play on the Ducks. They can't put him in the AHL. No, no, he's he signed. No, he no, signed yeah, he signed. So what happens if he's on the Ducks and then he, you know, I don't know, and then they decide to demote him. Like he plays, you know, 20 games and it's just not working out. They cannot put him down to the AHL. They got to keep him up. You got to send him back to junior. So that's the only option you have. There's this. I don't remember. You you can't bring him back after that, right? No. Yeah. I I don't remember a Ducks player who ended up going through that process. Who who did that? Yeah. Yeah. Maxine Comfort did do that. Yeah. He couldn't go back down to the AHL. I think there was a, they used a loophole where they sent him down as like an injury rehab and come to played three games with San Diego. And then they re- they sent him back down to, to Quebec for the rest of the season. So that would be a similar situation. Like Drysdale could play 20 games next year. And then if the ducks felt like, you know, he wasn't ready or whatever, if they send him back down, he has to go back down to junior and then he's they can bring him back up. He's injured. <laughs> yeah. He's injured. He can play three games in San Diego and then he gets sent down. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. So yeah. Other than, other than Drysdale, uh, the one guy I wanted to talk about too, because I know uh, Jay's a big goalie guy, was Lucas Dostal. Mm-hmm. And this, outside of Zegers and Drysdale, the, I think the the third guy people are most excited to see this year in San Diego was Lucas Dostal, just because he's playing pro hockey in Finland already. And you couldn't ask for a better start, really, to an, an AHL career with he's a four zero and zero record. He's got three straight forty plus save performances, a one point seven five goals against average, and a nine fifty six save percentage. Like he's unbeatable right now. And you, like I said, you really can't ask for a better start to a pro career in in North America when you're making the switch over from Europe. Yeah, so far he's everything is advertised. So um, not not only has he come out and kind of he's he's probably done over that because they said their biggest thing was getting him over here, getting him acclimated to the North American style, which sometimes um, well is is a lot faster paced, but sometimes it's a little bit harder for European goalies to make that adjustment. I think their goalie coach in there played in uh, Europe as well. So he's got a little bit of experience, and I think he's been um, – Dostal seems like a a student of the game. He seems, you know, from what everyone said, is he's just – he's very calm. He doesn't get rattled. He just – he's focused on, on what he's doing, and he's a professional through and through already. So when you kind of have that mindset going in uh, and you're able to produce uh, off of that, uh, off of expectations – then the future looks bright, especially when you can falter early and, you know, get down on yourself. But it doesn't seem like that's happening. I think he's a the, part of the reason they kind of brought him over, too, is that I think this is probably Ryan Miller's last year with the Ducks. And after this, we'll probably end up seeing Dostal. Uh, if he continues the way he's doing now, we'll probably see him as a backup role because he's, he's that good. He's eventually going to need to be a starter somewhere if this trend keeps going. Uh, but I know I don't think we'll have to wait too terribly long either to see him up with the Ducks as well. He's young too. I think he's yep. twenty. Yeah, dude, dude, and he's built like the way you were when you were twenty. He's like one hundred and sixty <laughs> pounds, dude. Sixty pounds, six, eight, like six three, hundred and uh, yeah, sixty. Uh, or are they six one? He's six one hundred and sixty five pounds, whatever. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Well, when when you think Hopefully of he doesn't that find too, beer and then he'll get as big as me. <laughs> <laughs> and he, that's the thing. Like you, he'll put on weight. Like he'll get bigger. Yeah. He'll cover more of the net, and that should only serve him well as long as he can continue to play the same style at at a higher weight, which he should be able to. I mean, he's an athletic goaltender, 
but like I think that raises such a good point is like nobody expected him to be this good in his yeah. first four games. And Ryan Miller's not coming back next year, likely. Uh, and even if he was considering it, like, how do you keep this guy down? No, I guess it's only four games and there's plenty more games to go. And he's going to be the starter for most of them this year. So I'm sure we'll see a few games where he'll falter here and there. But if he can keep up, you know, a 930 save percentage across an AHL season and, you know, around a two goals against average, there's no point in keeping him down there next year. There really isn't. Like, you then enter another situation that we're all too used to, to seeing in Anaheim where you've got a 1A and a 1B where we saw Haler and Anderson and then Anderson and Gibson and now maybe Gibson and Dostal is, is the next kind of in line there where you know he, along the same lines as Zegris and Drysdale we're talking about like eventually these guys are going to play their way into the lineup. I think the same can be said for Lucas Dostal because he's arguably been the most impressive of the three of everybody in San Dude, Diego. Dude, he lost one game in Finland, before they brought him to San Diego, he was ten and one with a nine forty one save percentage. <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, he he had better numbers uh, in uh, that Finnish league than uh, Tuka Rask did um, when and when he was setting records. So yeah, so I mean he, he's he's nailed it so far at every level. He's starting off this one really good. They're obviously going to give him the the whole season there, this uh, battered down season, but he he's. As long, you know, so he'll be there. He'll get all that little experience. And if those numbers are anywhere near 9-3, I mean, if you're doing 93 save percentage in AHL where bounces happen, defense isn't exactly your best friend all the time, uh, eventually those numbers tend to you know, come back down to earth a little bit. But if he's anywhere up near that, then you can legitimately say, okay, he's he doesn't need to do this unless you just want to get him more reps but if he seems like he can do it and we need a backup goalie and he gives us the best chance to win on back-to-back nights than anybody else in our system then why shouldn't he be up next season yeah he's like an insane stat where over the last three seasons he's won like 50 of his 56 games played or something like that between the two seasons or two and a half seasons in finland and now the start here in san diego like that's unreal he's lost like seven games <laughs> in the last three seasons because he's he's just played unbelievably and I, and I think the big thing for Dostal is like you look at the last three games he's made three straight 40 plus save performances he's not coasting to these victories no. he's leading the goals to these victories he did the same thing in Finland too where he didn't have a great defense in front of him but he was just stopping 30 40 plus shots a night like he just and he makes it routine like you look at that that game last uh, last night where he made like I think 45 saves didn't feel like a 45 save game like 45 save night for Lucas Dostal but he's just so sound positionally that you know he just makes these saves look easy he doesn't really have to to make too many difficult saves where it was like John Gibson earlier in his career where he would make easy saves look difficult because he was out of position and he'd be diving across to make the saves and obviously he's he's worked on that but I think Dostal already has that, which bodes well for his future. It's just, you know, now the next step is making the transition from the AHL to the NHL and whether he can do that. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a 20-year-old goaltender, and that was John Gibson. He had his first three games in Anaheim when he was 20. So, And then in the following season, I'm just looking up right now with 23 games. So I mean, it's, it wouldn't, like Jay was saying, Miller's probably not coming back next year. Would be shocking if Dostal plays the way he's playing and, and has to stay down in the AHL. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I said, the only theory I'd have on them doing that is just he'll get to play so much more, and once again, experience kind of helps on that. But if he's dominating, 
you know, I, I think being around the NHL and getting NHL experience would also work for you as well. So I don't see it being much more of an advantage to get more games in. Yeah. Could be an end of the season thing for, for Dossel this year as well, where he gets a couple games. If the Ducks are completely out of the playoff picture, if the goals have already clinched a playoff spot where, you know, games down there aren't really meaningful for San Diego and games up here aren't really meaningful for Anaheim where, you know, maybe he sneaks in a, a start or two by the end of the year, and and we could see the same thing with Trevor Zegers sneaking in a couple of games near the end of the season, where the games aren't as important for San Diego and they don't mean anything for Anaheim. It, it kind of makes it a better situation to get a look at these guys rather than throwing them into the pressure cooker this early on in the season. Can we segue into why John Gibson's going to get traded and how <laughs> yes, how please. good Lucas Dostal's going to take over yeah. and definitely John Gibson's going to Pittsburgh because yeah, I kind of feel like Jimmy Murphy said so. So it's <laughs> yeah. a foregone conclusion. <laughs> yeah, I like like we talked about a little bit earlier. It's just uh, I love the arc. You know, it's like how 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 can this be? Well, um, John Gibson, he's from Pittsburgh. Uh, 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 Brian Burke, he, he used to GM uh, Anaheim, not when Gibson was around, but he was a GM. Um, they're, they're made for each other. It's going to happen. It's, yeah. you know, my sources tell me. <laughs> I, I love it. I love when, like, you can clearly see the pieces they put together. It's that obvious, but it's they still stupid. decided to publish it. Like, there's no... And, and the thing is, like, they published it as that. Like, he literally yeah. said... He didn't say, oh, my sources told me, like, the Penguins are calling Bob Murray on, on John Gibson. He literally said... Well, yeah, John Gibson's a Pittsburgh native, and Brian Burke used to GM in Anaheim, and he likes to make big trades, and Pittsburgh's goaltending hasn't been great. So, yeah, that's my that's, that's, that's a my recipe source. for for a room. <laughs> yeah, so that's my source. Where's the cap space? Where would the cap space come from, right? Like, well, how is Pittsburgh so gonna questions. fill that? Like, do you would have to work because it's not like Gibby's on on the books <laughs> for like two this more year, years. Yeah. He's got like. I've, I've six or seven seasons at that rate left. Yeah. Like there's no and way. Even, even if you can get the cap work, cause I think like Jason Zucker makes like 5.5 million in Pittsburgh. You can offset most of it with that. But where, where does Pittsburgh get these assets? Like the Penguins have one of the worst prospect pools in the league because they continually trade away their prospects and first round picks to try and compete in for the Stanley cup every year. They don't really have, any assets they don't and you can't they're not going to keep trading your first round because then you just dig your hole (laughs) even deeper well Well, Pittsburgh has people on LTIR just like Anaheim in order to make it under the cap like this doesn't make sense (laughs) these teams don't make sense making this deal it's it's Jimmy Murphy's an idiot yeah (laughs) the most most logical trade piece is someone like Jake Gensel and the Penguins can't afford to trade Jake Gensel because they don't have anybody to step into the lineup so you solve one need in goaltending and create another and losing one of your your best forwards, obviously outside of Crosby and Malkin and Jay Gensel, and like like I said, like you can. I would only see want the... Gensel on team if we had Doc Emmerich to say his name, <laughs> just the way he says he Gensel. Say uh, I can't even do it. We'd have to play an audio <laughs> clip. Don't make me do that. It's too late. Okay, I'm not sure what you're talking about. So I want to hear it. <laughs> we'll have to have it prepped for for the next show. But yeah. like like that's the thing. Like. At least if there's there's like a pathwork to a deal here, like put some effort behind it to to look to see if the Penguins can even make this work. Because like I know Brian Burke has a tendency to pull off crazy deals. He's done it in the past, but like the Ducks aren't going to take Malkin. Like that's just not they're not in a position to bring in a player of that age at this point in time. They're in a rebuild, so it doesn't make any sense. 
Penguins aren't going to move on from their top young players like Gensel. They don't have any top prospects in the system. Their first round pick is essentially useless. Like, there's just no way a deal like this happens. But it's Jimmy Murphy. Like, and it's we, behind we a paywall. Already. You can't even read the whole thing. It's clickbait. <laughs> it's hundred <Yeah>, percent. Like... <laughs> That's what it is. You want to read my dumb opinion? You got to pay yeah. for it. Yeah, and even even though Brian Burke likes to do, I mean, he's he's coming in, and I think they're probably coming in to evaluate how this season goes and see where they can maybe make improvements at the draft or in the off season. I don't think they immediately come and go like, all right, let's start getting big names in here now. I need to make a splash in my first week, otherwise everyone everyone's gonna be mad at me. I don't know. I just I think he's gonna probably take an evaluation and then kind of give his opinion on it. You remember what everyone th- not everyone people thought that uh, Freddie Anderson was better than John Gibson. <laughs> a lot of hey, people still another do. Another rough night tonight. <laughs> yeah. Weren't they up well, at least five, it wasn't against one? a bad team. Were they up 5-1 and they lost 6-5? Or were they up 5-1 yeah. with six, 10 five seconds left in the second period. And the Sens scored with, like, I think, nine seconds to go and then scored four straight goals in the third period and then won in overtime. <laughs> Mitch Marner pulled off the move of all moves on Dadunov, but then Dadunov went down to the way and scored the goal. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie has not looked good. He just—I don't know. Everyone brings him up all the time about him being a, an excellent goaltender. Yeah, but he looks a he? little bad stretch. Is he okay? Like we could get into. He's this. not an excellent goaltender. I don't think he's bad, but he's not he's in the same starter. category as, as John Gibson right now. Yeah. I, I think the Ducks won that trade. Yeah, I mean, we got Steele and Comtois, so I, I think it's still ongoing. I think they're both long-term going to be, you know, them together as a package are going to be more valuable to the Ducks than Freddie Anderson would be. So I think no matter what, as long as the Ducks got two decent NHL players out of that those picks, that they're going to win that deal because John Gibson has been so good, like you really don't need Freddie Anderson at that point, you don't need two starting netminders. The Freddie's wasted as a backup in terms of how much money you would have to pay him to, to stick around. So, you know, it was a, it was always going to be an, an easy win for the Ducks as long as they got two players who could make an impact on the NHL roster. I mean, he's 909 save percentage last year, and now he's at that 901 save percentage this year. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, Martin John Jones Gibson, numbers. despite... The Ducks' <laughs> troubles went into this game at a 9.22 save percentage and a 2.26 goals against average. Like, you know, I, I, again, they're not the best numbers to judge goaltending by, but that's still pretty impressive considering how how much the Ducks have struggled this year to, to support him offensively. True, he's better yeah. than uh, Freddie Anderson. Just ask uh, ask the Maple Leafs fans. <laughs> yeah, tying a tying a bow on that uh, Pittsburgh stuff. I can see Mark Andre Fleury going back to Pittsburgh, and maybe Malkin go makes his way to Vegas. And so, when Mark Andre Fleury gets benched, are they gonna are they gonna put a sword through a penguin? Is his agent gonna put a sword through a penguin? No, because he's, he's never getting benched there because he's the only guy who can play net there. <laughs> <laughs> he's the only quality goaltender they would have. Who else do they have there now? It's um. Tristan Yari. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. We all thought he was going to be good last year. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't. I haven't watched enough Pittsburgh games to know <laughs> what their problem is. <laughs> it's obviously not the goal. To- the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. 
We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our Keep Stock Inventory Management Solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com slash Keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done. And then uh, there was other rumors about Ducks players. Was there not? Uh, a, I don't want to throw it under the bus out there, but it's floating around Twitter that Gatsloff on the move. Yeah, it, it was it was uh about Oilers. Yeah, it was a rumor that was picked up from like a podcast discussion that Frank Cervelli was on. He somebody had asked like if Getzlaff was available and he didn't really say he was available. He just said he would be a great deadline acquisition for any team, which I think is you know, pretty it's easy true. to say. Like it's true. <laughs> he would be a great deadline acquisition for a team looking to compete. He's a leader and he's still like quality player in this league and he has a unique skill set that really hasn't died away yet and I think if you surround him with quality players he can and, and put him in maybe a second or third line center role then I think he can be a really good player for you so it, it isn't anything surprising to say yeah a lot of teams would be interested in Ryan Getzloff if, if he was available he's a yeah, unrestricted yeah. free yeah. agent at the end of the season so it makes sense and you know maybe he's looking for uh, you know a new new challenge or a last chance at the Stanley Cup. So I get where they're coming from there. But again, similar to the Jimmy Murphy, John Gibson stuff, it's not really a rumor as much as it is saying, oh, that would be nice if that happened. Yeah, here's here's an interesting narrative and I'll, I'll find little things that might make it work. Without but can't really, you see him actually going and winning and then re-signing for the last contract? I could see him doing that. Yeah, I, like bouncing out for a year if he wins a cup and then coming yeah, back. Yeah, he doesn't have and, a yeah. contract next season. So why wouldn't he go and take a, a shot at winning and then just re-sign here? That's not, because it's like it's not because he said, he said he has no desire to go run for another cup with another team. I've he never met an athlete that, that, uh, that you know, <laughs> goes against his word. That's, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I have I've sit there. Uh, I'll uh, stand with uh, I'll stand with Ryan Getzloff. Uh no I, I I think he is I mean I don't think Anaheim's a perfect fit for him lifestyle wise he has already won a cup he's gonna be the franchise leader goals assists points pretty much everything we want him to be his jersey will be retired he'll go into the hall of fame and the one thing that he really prides himself on is being not only a captain but being on a, the same team throughout his entire career he finds that as a unique thing that almost no one ever does and so I think he would go, well, do I really want to do that just to play third line center on a possible cup run with another team? Or do I just like like what I've got and like where I'm at and like my legacy here? I think he's more of a legacy guy versus, oh, I got to win another cup right before I retire. I don't I, see why not. I, I see, like, I, I agree with what Jay's saying. Like, I don't think Ryan Getzloff Thank is you. actually saying, trade me out. I want to go win a cup somewhere. But he's also been a guy who said, like, if the team, if the organization asked him to move on, he would move on. If Bob Murray came to him and said, hey, we got an offer. It's too good to refuse. You're going to Edmonton for the second half of the season here. We'll bring you back next year. We're getting some assets here. 
I don't necessarily think he would say no. Obviously, it depends on the location, and I think Edmonton is, is or Calgary or something like that is is close to his hometown. Where if he had to leave for you know five, four or five months, that going to a place that's close to where he grew up and, and it could where be part of the battle of Alberta that's developing again this year. No, why not? Yeah, <laughs> like again, like I said, I don't think he's actively asking for it, but. If the Ducks got an offer that was too good to refuse, I, I don't think it would be impossible for it to happen. But I do think, Pat, you know, on your end there, if he does go somewhere, I think Anaheim's his first option to come back to next year, even if he doesn't win a cup. But if he goes somewhere, you know, to, to try and get that cover because the Ducks want to get assets for him this year before his contract expires, I think he does come back here. I don't think he would ever re-sign somewhere else. I think Anaheim... Is the place he wants to end his end his career and and likely stay there if he if he you know without moving if he possibly can. I still see it being an opportunity for him to go win elsewhere. Why wouldn't you want to? He could say that all he wants, but like okay. he, he won a cup. What his, his knows, second his second what season? Pat wants more than well, no, but like he won a cup his second season. Yeah, I would say that that couple. I think greedy Jumbo yeah. Joe and, and Patty Marlowe say the same thing. Like, oh, we'll never leave San Jose, and they both and then did. they both left. They San never Jose. won a cup. I know, but I mean, like you know, we're saying Getzlaff is sitting here saying that he says he'll he'll never leave. I believe both of them also said that in San Jose, where Joe Thornton and Patty Marlowe said, "Yeah, we're never going anywhere," and then they both left because the Sharks were moving in a different direction. So I. I Again, I you know I I think I believe I mean, that's he'll go to Montreal says. to play with Perry. <laughs> well, Perry, <laughs> Perry didn't have a choice. So. <laughs> Perry almost won a cup last year. Yeah. yeah, hey, he might win a cup this year. Montreal looks well; they looked pretty good, not anymore. But yeah, let's all talk about the Canadian division that uh, is not as good as everyone else thinks it is. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we got to wrap up these uh, trade rumors here. Uh, the last one is this, the fishiest of the bunch. A noted Anaheim Ducks blog says that their sources have said that the Devils would want Adam Henrique back. Uh, not so much saying that their sources told them that the, the Devils are inquiring about Adam Henrique, just that they'd want him back. So <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't really yeah, know. Once again, every team would want him. Oh, yeah, if he just comes yeah. over. Great. Yeah, bring I, him on over. I'll it's one of those things. Yeah, where, two where again, I'll take two Henriques. Dude, it's it's the narrative again, right? It's so easy to write. Oh, of course, a team that he played for for you know almost a decade would want him back, and would love for him to be amongst their young players like Jack Hughes and and Nico Hischer. Of course, they would want him to be around for that. Adam Paul Mary wants to come back to Anaheim, so I mean, it fits a narrative. He was in Anaheim at one point, and now he wants to be again because narrative. <laughs> no, see, that's actually interesting. I didn't even think about that. Would you do that deal? Because I would. What, Henry for 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 Paul Mary, right Mary? Now? yeah, I would. Yeah, oh, the way Henrique's playing. I don't even know what um... Paul Mary hasn't been doing all that great this season either, though. Is he, he on your fantasy COVID. team? No, I just happened to look. I don't know why I was looking. Oh, I needed a narrative to fill. So he's got three assists in eight games. Yeah, he was he was out with COVID for a bit, but you know, five straight twenty goal seasons. If you had to pick any pl- type of player that the Ducks could use right now, I think it'd be Kyle Palmer, and he's only 30. So he's right at this, you know, you're, you're essentially doing a hockey trade, which um, Bob Murray loves. I, I didn't think about it, but honestly, out of all the deals we've talked about here, it's probably the one that makes the most well, sense. Well, let me get to my sources. And then we'll make this <laughs> I mean, he did leave Anaheim and then start scoring goals. So maybe it wouldn't yeah. bode well for him to come back. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't what? Know. Where my Genius. career never took off? Yeah, let's go there. But if it's a trade, you don't have a choice. Unless he does. What's his contract? Love these trade? rumors. I love Mary. Rumors. Mary makes 4.65 for just this year. So, okay. I, you know, I... The Ducks would have to try and re-sign him. I don't think they'd trade Henrique after they just signed We should create burner accounts and just start, uh, yeah, just start rumors. Yeah. We'll, just, the... we'll just start naming each other as sources. Listen, it's not the worst <laughs> trade concept ever, though, to bring in Paul Mary for Adam Henrique. I think both teams benefit there. I think they're similar players in terms of total production, points-wise, around 45 to 50 points. You're just swapping, you know, a, a two-way center who puts a bit more assists and can get close to 20 goals for a pure goal scorer in Palmieri who can hit 20 pretty easily in any season. And, and I think that's what the Ducks are more looking for. And I would argue for, for the devil side of things is they're looking for a player who's kind of been there and done that in New Jersey and, and kind of knows their culture and to help guide the younger players into the next era here. Adam Henrique, I think, is the type of guy for that. Yeah, this rumor is writing itself. <laughs> Eddie's right. leading the charge. Yeah, right. It's too easy. It's too easy. They all have a, a little bit of a narrative, of course, behind yeah. it, but no actual substantiated sources, though. Yeah. PK Subban wants to go back to Montreal too. By the way, we'll just take uh, all the salary and take yeah. Palmieri and PK yeah. Subban. <laughs> You'll have to think about it when you're doing trade rumors. You don't think about the actual financial part of it. You just go listen. They just want it. It's going to happen. People are interested. It's like interested NHL when you just like try a trade. And they say no to you, throw on somebody, and they go yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someone like a little bit lower. Little bit. They say yes. Fifth round. <laughs> um, okay. So that's it pretty much for the trade rumors. I mean, it is what we kind of expected. If you thought we were going to come in here and, and add validity to some of these trade rumors, then I think you're in the wrong place. But <laughs> the really? one thing I wanted to talk about, I was hoping Trey Terry was going to have you know, a nice game on on the stat sheet. He didn't, but he leads the Ducks and passes to the slot heading into this game with 22, which is double the amount of the next highest player, which is Ryan Getzlaff. Normally, like when you go and you, you kind of dig for these advanced stats, you, you, you can kind of explain them away. For this one, I, I think it shows a little bit more that Terry is a bit of an underrated playmaker. And, and maybe I'm eating my own words here. And I criticized him a lot off for his offensive play this year. But it's one of those stats where you don't notice it, I guess, when you're watching too much. But when you look at the stats at the end of the game, you're like, wow, Terry had four passes to the slot this game. And when you're looking for a team that's looking to score goals, you need more guys to do that. And when you have one guy who's doing it double the amount of the next highest guy, it's going to catch some eyes. So, I, I you know, I got to give credit to Troy Terry there because he's cl- clearly doing the right things on the ice, and it's just not equating to points yet. But I think he's looked pretty good over the last couple of games here. Oh, for yeah. sure the last couple of games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's he's creative. Um, he's got creative talent. Um, you know, I think they're expecting maybe a little bit more uh, finish to his game, and it seems like now he's, he's maybe doing more of the playmaking stuff. Uh, but that's a good stat to to follow and to actually have because whenever that happens it can create chaos even if it's not a direct pass that works or anything like that if it's a pass and even if it's bobbled or it hits a skate or something like that yeah you you increase the the chances of something 
stupid happening, like what Sam Steele did, where he just kind of was throwing it back to the slot, the guy's kind of charging behind, and then it gets lost in the shuffle and goes in. That doesn't happen all the time, but it's going to happen a whole lot more likely the more times you throw it in there, especially given how many games. That means he's doing it at least once or so a game, you know, if not more. I'm not a big Troy Terry fan, but yeah, I yeah. will say that this season has been different for him. I mean, especially with his goal scoring, he was able to put together. Uh, I just, I don't know. I'm not. I, he has to do more, and more often for me to be sold on him. It's, it's no. To me, it wasn't a surprise that Cubs was the goal scorer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone yeah. thought that Terry was going to come here and be this power play guy and like score a bunch of goals. And it's just, you could say he's in the right place at the right time. You could say he makes the right play, but until you see the guy uh, being able to finish at the NHL level, I'm just. Just gonna wait or move them. Like I don't know what the Ducks want to do. They just need to shit or get off the pot with some of these guys, and I just, <laughs> Terry, just Terry's, Terry's looked better the last couple of games, uh, and you know I'll be the first one to say I'm with you for for most of that. Uh, just because I kept hearing about how he's working on his game, he's gonna get better, he's gonna reach that. These things will start going in, and then it almost kind of becomes like a Max Jones thing, where it's like, all right, well. He's trying hard, but nothing's happening. So, you know, but about the, the only difference I would say is over the last couple of games, I've, I've seen his his play pick up a lot more. I, I notice him a lot more. He's trying one-on-one moves a lot more, and he's not necessarily getting knocked off the puck as easily. So we'll just see if it keeps going. But he's still got a – same with me. He's got a long cl- uh, hill to climb before I start going like, okay, I think he's he's NHL material, and I'm happy with where he's at. All right, before we move into the fan questions here, we're at the quarter season mark now. The Ducks are 6-7-3, and three, and officially after tonight's game, they have the worst-ranked offense in the league at 1.94 goals per game. Shocking. And the, the 29th-ranked power play with an 8.57% efficiency. There's actually two power plays worse than that somehow, Detroit, which is ridiculous. I, I would assume so. It's got to be. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, you know, I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on the Ducks a quarter of the way through the season. For, for me personally, I, I think this is, I, I guess, where I expect them to be around. Maybe not this bad offensively, but right around this mark. And obviously the goaltending has rebounded. And, and we, we, the, being just under 500 at this point, I think is safe to say where most people expected them to be at. Mm. Yeah, I, I would like to go back and revisit what our predictions were for the first 20 games. <laughs> I know mine was eight, eight, and four. I'll have to see if I can bring. We got to go back and, and figure that out. Yeah, I know I mine was like eleven know. something and something. Like eleven, seven, and two. I think I had seventeen and three. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> Stevens wasn't too optimistic. Apparently, either. Jay, you and I are the optimists, and it's it's yeah. uh, it's Eeyore and Droopy when they when they when <laughs> Steven and Eddie do the shows. <laughs> Um, let's see as far as what the the ducks are doing i'm I'm more impressed with the goaltending um yeah i like you said i think they kind of did a a little bit of bounce back usually gibson starts off pretty good and then gets worn down as the season wears on but um right now i haven't haven't really seen that yet um this game maybe is a little blip of it but they were just weird goals uh the offense that's disappointing i you know i wasn't had 
high expectations, but definitely not the worst uh, in the league. Is not where I thought we'd be at the quarter of the way. And I really thought the power play would would come up big, uh, bigger than it has now. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand with not scoring enough goals. Uh, but I thought Raquel was doing, you know, has been doing well. He's he's just, uh, it's just snake bit. I mean, that that shooting percentage is like the opposite. When someone's shooting way too high, you're like, oh, that's going to come back down to earth. You almost have to think with how many chances Raquel's getting, that's going to start coming up, and he's going to start getting some of those goals, and then that all starts kind of going up. But they got they got a long hill to climb to even get anywhere uh, near, oh well, further away from the seller on the offense. I've been disappointed with Shattenkirk. I thought he'd have more of an impact. It's been pretty bad. Yeah. It's been pretty bad. There's, And everyone knows that I, you know, I love Hampus. But, I mean, Jesus, he was not the guy I would expect on that pair to be the, the guy that's, like, leading offense and making good plays. Like, there's so many times this season where I've seen him go end-to-end and come back and break up a play on the defensive side of the puck. I'm like, holy shit. Like, he's really coming around again. And it's just disappointing to see where Shattenkirk's been at, obviously. But um, I'm actually a little surprised where the Ducks are. I thought they probably would look worse (laughs) than they have. I know they're not scoring, but they're still eking out wins every now and again. Um, And they're not getting hosed by horrible teams. Like, at least they stuck with the Sharks. Uh, They beat the Kings. Uh, They played well against Vegas. So I think it could have been much worse, but... What are you gonna do? I was, I had, um, I had to make it in the playoffs as the, in, you know, in that four spot. But eh, I don't know. <laughs> well, they're right in that mix, right? Like they're still within touching distance of Arizona, and they're ahead of San Jose and Minnesota, who both have games in hand. Like they're right in that mix of those four teams fighting for that last. And LA is really the only team who's kind of fallen off that. But even LA is still kind of within distance of Anaheim, like. It's not. It's it's easy to say if LA won their next three games, which is probably not going to happen because they're four, six, and three on the season, but they're only within four points of the Ducks with three games in hand. So it's possible they could catch them. Mm-hmm. And when every team has played sixteen games, the Ducks could still be the worst team in this division. You know, mm-hmm. other teams have to win games, of course, and a lot of these teams, of course, play each other the way the division structure is this year, but. You know, I, I don't think it's super surprising to, to see the Ducks kind of in this mix of, of a team floating around 500 amongst several other teams floating around 500 in this division. Yeah. One of them will win out and get that fourth spot. It's looking like Arizona right now. Yeah, they've actually they've been, they've been the, the most impressive bunch. And Jason, I know that was you. That was <laughs> I ended up predicting that. And I, got at, uh, I got laughed at. Dyson Kemper with a shutout win over one St. nothing Louis. over St. Louis. So they're they seven are, game they're series. Looking, they're looking like the best of the bunch here, but Minnesota is also still in that mix, and they've only yeah, played eleven are. games, so they also uh, could jump up there. And a quick update on Ricardo Raquel's shooting percentage: it's now at one point nine six percent, fifty one <laughs> shots and one goal. <laughs> yeah. he, he should have so many more goals. It's just top fifteen in the league in shots, and he's got one goal. Like I said, he, he looked great today, except that just did not just did not go in for whatever reason. But the fact that he's making moves and getting open is is a good sign for me because he used to never do that. It was just outside. Maybe I might be around the net. Maybe it might come to me or something like that. But now he's he's taking an active role and trying to get in there and make something happen. All right, let's jump into these fan questions and then we'll wrap up the show here. We've only got a few from Twitter. 
Uh, the first one's from Jacob. He said, what are the chances of a decent playoff run next season if this team maintains the competitive level of the last few games? That This was asked before tonight's game. So. Uh, well, they played well tonight. I, yeah, I thought they were competitive tonight, and they just got some unlucky bounces and couldn't capitalize on theirs. Um, are they playoff team next year? Uh, I, uh, we have the expansion draft. Um, it depends if Zegers comes up. Uh, it depends, you know. Division Depends on a lot of factors. Normal next year as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Ryan Miller won't be there for for other games too. So, I find it hard. I think there's still maybe another year out. It depends. Depends what they can do. Because, uh, but I mean, Getzloff's contract comes off the books, uh, so maybe there's a chance there that they sign him for less, and that frees up some money to get somebody else. Or uh, just to get out from under <laughs> LTIR, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I think there's a better chance of them making the playoffs next year than this year, because once the divisions go back to normal, you swap out, uh, St. Louis and Colorado and Minnesota for Edmonton, Calgary and Vancouver, who I don't think are better by any means, especially than, than, uh, St. Louis. So Vancouver's trash. Right. Like they're, they're not much better than if you think maybe you add Trevor Zegras on a full-time basis next year. You know, maybe you finally had that goal score that you were looking for. You start to integrate some more of the prospects. Another year for some of these guys. A, a, you know, another year for Maxim Comtois under the belt. Maybe Jamie Drysdale makes the roster next year as well. Like you're adding some more pieces to this team, and with a weaker division, you know, maybe they squeak in into that fourth spot next year. I think if they can keep some of the improvement we've seen this year, I think that's the big thing. Is you know, when when you're still rebuilding and you're not playing that great hockey, you, you want to see improvement from the youngsters, and that's something I think we've seen this year. And and guys responding to getting you know held out of the lineup and brought back in, I think we've seen that progression this year. And if they can continue that all year and build into next year, you know they're not going to be a playoff. But he's talking contender. about a decent playoff run. I, I don't see that happening. I see this no. being they they make the playoffs. Maybe. Yeah, they could squeak it. It's a maybe. Year. That's a maybe next year for me. I, I don't know. There's this team. Uh, you, we just ran their offensive numbers. The, the power play is atrocious. It's unbelievable. There's two teams that are worse than the Ducks. <laughs> you just watch our power play. Just like, how? Uh, okay. Do you guys not watch how the other teams do it? I, I just I don't get it. Um, and then they don't have a scoring winger. I mean, Maxim comes talk great, but uh, shit, there's the, <laughs> there's no way you can go to the playoffs and have a decent run. I just don't see it happening. Maybe in three years is when I think this team might to be might start to be competitive again. But I mean, we just wasted John Gibson's prime. Uh, so just remember that when you look back under at these a new teams. coach and a new GM potentially, right? So <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Next question we got was from Ricky. Uh, we kind of already covered Lucas Dostal a bit. We'll just give our quick answers here. He said, "Do you think Dostal is ready to make the jump to the NHL now after his past four AHL games?" No, there's no need. Yeah. Yeah. Not no need, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's he needs he needs more time in there to do a four game run and go like this, dude. Gibson, you're benched. Get, get Dostal in. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's not gonna happen. So, and, and the yeah. Ducks are fine where they're at with their goaltending. Yeah, it's it's too soon. It's four games, and it's a great four game stretch, but it's still four games, right? Talk to me. Forty games. He started twenty games in in the <laughs> AHL this year, thirty or forty games in the AHL, and and if he's still producing at that level, then you know I can better answer that question. But for for right now, it's not worth it. Just continue to give him the reps down there. 
Um, next question is from Dave. He said, would it be advantageous to swap out either Henrique or Silverberg for Milano? Wouldn't mind seeing Milano play with Getzlaff and Terry or with the Steel and Hind in lines. I'd be okay without Silverberg, honestly. I don't know. I think Silverberg's got more of a, a shot that's lethal than um, Henrique. And I still haven't. Although Henrique came back, I think he had a goal, and he's, he's played slightly better. I'd be willing, same thing. Yeah, if someone's not scoring, set him down, put somebody else in there. I'm not opposed to either one of them, but I don't think you're going to put in Milano and then all of a sudden your goal-scoring problems are solved and you can keep those guys on the bench. Trade Adam Henrique for Palmieri and play Getzlaff with Milano Palmieri. <laughs> <laughs> not that I dislike Silverberg. He just hasn't been the same. So you can see that about yeah. a number of guys in the team, right? But he last year, I think he was playing with Getzlaff for most of the time. We're like, okay, this is why he's unlocked what we thought he could do. Is the big talk about Silverberg last year was that Dallas Aikens is allowing him to be more creative. We saw those comments from both Silverberg and Aikens is that you know he's being used in a more offensive role, and it feels like they've taken a step back on that this year, where they're like, okay, you're playing with Sam Steele and Danton Heinen, and your freedom offensively isn't quite there as it was last year. So I think out of anybody, maybe a bit more understandable to see a bit of a regression from Silverberg, although it's not even been as bad as a regression we've seen from Adam Henrique, who's being yeah. used on that top line with Getzlaff and Terry. He still isn't getting things going. Yeah. Um, next question and second last one here is from Victor. He said, can the Ducks trade Shattenkirk to one of the other teams that wanted him in the offseason? No, I th- I think they're going bullet dodged because <laughs> he's still got term, he's still got money, and he's not doing anything. Why would you want him? I don't want him. It's funny how it goes from okay, three point nine is fair, and if he played really well, okay, three point nine is a bargain. To okay, now three point nine million for three years seems like a lot of money for the the Kevin Shattenkirk that we have. <laughs> yeah. hopefully, hopefully, he turns it around. But I mean, he's he's had some time to do it, so we'll we'll see. Well, we got the we have the Zegers question and we have the expansion draft question left, right, Ed? Yeah, I was gonna save the expansion draft question for another day because uh, I know Stephen was talking about setting up a, a middle of the season type show where we go over, you know, who the Ducks have after the trade deadline and look at what a, an expansion draft protection could look for like for the Ducks. So we'll save that one because we're probably gonna cover that in in a more in depth basis, and I think it, it warrants a more in-depth kind of discussion rather than just off the top of our head. So we'll finish it uh, with the Zegers question here. It's from Caitlin. She said, do you think the Ducks are waiting to call up Zegers for when they're home for a longer stretch of games so they can send him to Irvine easier if needed as opposed to on the road? And then she mentioned that the Ducks have a long stretch of home games next month against the King Sharks and Coyotes. Uh, it does make it easier. Yeah, uh, I guess it makes it easier, but at the same time, too, it's – for the most part, most of the teams are, are within driving distance with, you know, St. Louis and uh, uh, Colorado kind of being that exception. Um, Minnesota. Minnesota being that exception. Um, I don't know what they're doing with Zegras. I mean, at this point, you're kind of hoping that he, you know, pops in a lineup at some point and give him a shot doing that. Um, and if it's that they're waiting for the home, I mean, it, it could be a reason. I just... I don't think it's necessarily a driving force. What do you mean? No one's, no one's up. scoring. Why, why would you bring anybody why up that does that? It just make any yeah. sense. Yeah, I don't know. No, we don't need that. I'd love yeah. to see it during that run. That'd be great. At yeah. that point, it's just getting my hopes up that, you know, because it, it's a logical point to make. 
Like, the Ducks do have a long stretch of home games, and if you were going to bring a guy into the lineup and you didn't want him to miss a ton of games, doing it when you have a long stretch of games at home makes sense, right? Because then if the Gulls play the next night, you can send him right back down to San Diego and not have to worry about him you know, having, being on the road and having to get back in time for that game and missing out on action with, with, the, with the Gulls. So, yeah, it gets my hopes up that it, it's a possibility, but, it, it again, it probably is just that where – you know, it's it's speculation and it's something that makes sense, but Bob Murray probably doesn't go with it. They're not going to bring him back until there's fans because they want to show off their new product in front of the fans. Mm-hmm. Look, so it's shiny. We'll it's never new. see him until next year. <laughs> yeah, and even, even um, yeah. Ricky mentioned in the chat, if the Ducks went out with the four playoff spot, do you think Murray brings in Zegras? I don't think that has anything to do with it at this point, whether they make the playoffs or not. If they're going to play him this year, I think they already know they're playing for him. And obviously, we're not privy to that, so we'll have to. We'll, we'll only know their plan when they choose to reveal it. Yeah, which they don't, so we'll never know. The downfall of this <laughs> franchise has started when when we did uh, Bobby's breakfast, and he screwed <laughs> us out of, out of extra food. And then, oh, yeah. um, and then this last season, he did an online only because of COVID, which is fine. But uh, he only talked for like two minutes, and then let the players talk. Like, <laughs> he let the prospects He's talk. trying to escape the hard questions. Even, <laughs> even, even then, he's well, like, wouldn't really even, even let, uh, let us ask the hard questions before. He had to submit them beforehand, and then they got to cherry pick the ones that he wanted. Mm hmm. Yeah. God damn it, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, the ones that are handwritten by their staff. Those are the yeah. ones that <laughs> This one comes from, yeah, this one comes this from, uh, comes Neil. from Bill Neil? In our PR Neil? No, no, no. Other Neil. <laughs> and Neil somewhere. All right, well, that's it for the show today. What, when's the next game? It's Thursday. Thursday, Thursday against the Sharks as well? Or am I wrong? Minnesota, I thought. Minnesota? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Minnesota fresh yeah. off the COVID. Yeah, they, said they, they said all their delays because of COVID. Yeah. Big game, I guess, for the Ducks. I mean, every, every game against those teams close to you in the standings are a big game, but... Uh, you know, Minnesota coming off a lengthy layoff here, you would expect the Ducks to have a bit of a an advantage against them going into this game on Thursday. Do you guys think they um, take the W? No. I'll say yes. I think so. I'll give them some credit here. Like, I think it's tough to come off a, for Minnesota, it was, what, a two-week layoff now because they, they were put on that week um, lockdown for COVID, and then they also got it extended. Yeah. Mm. I, so, think I think they're chomping at the bit to get back in there, and then that's they got a lot of energy to kind of they got a, a little mini reset so they can kind of take a breather, kind of watch everyone else play hockey, get amped up, get ready to go, and then get a Ducks team that you know just lost an odd game here hasn't you know I don't know well, they maybe got the they Ducks Thursday on LA and Saturday because so, yeah. they their first game back is against LA tomorrow for Minnesota, so maybe they get it out get it out of their system tomorrow, that's and then the. Uh, I don't want to say fatigue, but the the lack of playing time <laughs> catches up to them for for Thursday against the Ducks. Hopefully, I, I think they. I think that's they, a great they, narrative. We should yeah. see if our sources agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys on Thursday night. Bye, guys. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together, for the Pathfinders breaking new ground. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones 
who get it done.